This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest, newest edition of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. And throughout it, along with my awesome guest, I share ahas, insights, and tips to enhance and support your book publishing journey. My goal is always to support you and your book's success. Reminders, if you're on Twitter, hey, follow me with at my book shepherd and if you are on facebook what about joining my book publishing group to share your news or ask questions and certainly you can find me on linkedin and instagram and pinterest you can always email me directly at judith at bryles.com and daily i post throughout my social media world a favorite quote from my book snappy sassy salty success for authors and writers so today's quote is No author plans to fail. What they do is fail to plan. One of the things that many authors don't even think about is besides, I got to write the book. I've got to get going to write the book. I don't think about marketing. You got to be kidding. I can't even think about marketing until my book in hand. No, that's wrong. And I, I can't think about a website till I have the book all done. No, that's wrong too. But another wrong, another boo boo is not to think how the book is going to present. How are you going to print it? Where are you going to go? There are a variety of ways. Today, I have an expert guest who is going to talk about those ways. Joining me is Tim Hewitt. He's based in Denver, Colorado, where he lives with his wife and amazing daughters. Tim is a sales rep for Friesen's Corporation that serves the mountain states of Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, New Mexico, and Arizona. But if you're not in those states, dear listener, he can always tell you who to connect with to get there um, with the Friesen's organization. And his background includes graphic design as well as prefest, printing, and operations management in several different print arenas. And what's so important about this is that when you have a printing sales rep, um, and, and a lot of time, and I think Tim and I'll get into what's the difference between a book manufacturer and going down to the local print shop on the corner is that, uh, they can, I, I love to connect the, what I think will be the right printer with an author I'm working with early in the game, because, you know, these printers are out there, they know what techniques and strategies and tips and what's available and what's happening in the printing market when when your book is ready to go to actually that push the button press. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, Judith. Much appreciated. All right. So, a lot has happening in, um, in printing over these past 12 months. 
a lot. I see huge changes. And and I just would love to have some of your perspective of what's happening, where we're going, our, th- our shortage is going to be changing. We're all hearing about the supply problem. What do you think? It's, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting year, actually, the past couple of years um, have been a little interesting. And we saw, you know, we saw kind of the writing on the wall maybe as long ago as four years ago when there was a a pulp shortage. And we we saw that there was something of a diminishing supply on the paper side. But but this past year has really thrown our kind of our worst expectations on the paper side into the mix with, uh, with seriously diminished capacity and massive demand. So it's been, it's been something of a perfect storm that we've seen, which I, I can't sit here and cry and complain because business has been fantastic, but it has, it has not been the easiest and smoothest ride. Right. So, so- since we, you know, COVID is still on our lips in many cases, it's not disappeared. How much did COVID impact the supply chain? Well, I, I, I think it, it impacted it in 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 different ways. I, I, what we saw in in one part is actually a, a, the really beautiful part of the story that we have with publishing, and that is that. People during COVID realized that if they had a little bit more time at home, that they were more than happy and willing to spend that time going back to books and reading again. So that is really the, the, the beautiful upside of what we've seen. But with an upside, there's always kind of a slight downside, and that was that as demand for books went up, as the supply chain started to get strained and stretched, uh, the demand started to come back to North America, and unfortunately, it came on the heels of uh, of a couple of closures that we've had over the past few years of some large book manufacturers who um, who had been struggling and perhaps overextended financially, and, and that, so all of this collided together on the back, on the heels of of COVID increasing the demand, but also starting to impact the supply side. Uh, it, it probably in different industries is what initially started to impact us, and, and that happened with uh, with container ship shortages and then container shortages. Uh, obviously, you know we saw we saw the story of the ship stuck in the Suez Canal as something mm-hmm. of a funny uh, something of a funny story, and you know how odd it is that this ship could actually get stuck sideways in a canal. Uh, but we really genuinely saw a ripple effect of that coming down where there were you know tens of thousands of containers that were now taken out of the market. And so in response to that, those that had containers, uh, particularly for the Asian manufacturers of books, began seriously upcharging and charging a premium to get your product on a container. So instead of maybe paying a thousand dollars to get it onto uh, into a container to get it onto a ship, that was changing to twelve thousand dollars. So, Holy moly! So you're saying there was a plug in the canal that that helped accelerate um, the delays that domino throughout the industry. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and as unlikely as unlikely as it seems that that a uh, ship in the Suez Canal can affect your book in North America, even in North American manufacturing, it it it's 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 real and it happened. So it. Uh, 
it, it, it kind of gives rise to us taking a closer look at, at how finely balanced and finely tuned the supply chain is. Oh, that, that's amazing. <laughs> I haven't heard that story, Tim, from anybody. That that well, that that ship that went sideways, and we all saw it. I mean, if you watch the news at all, you'll see that picture. It was all over Timbuktu, or in the internet, that it was stuck. How many days was it stuck there? Oh my goodness, I could be wrong, but I thought it was in the order of uh, of thirty days. I mean, it was. It was a decent while. I mean, they had to get some uh, some serious digging equipment to come and free it. But uh, but you know, as that started to play effect on the containers, then obviously it started to affect what could get on ships and then how many ships were available. And uh, with COVID, we we saw shortfalls even at, uh, at inlets like Long Beach, California, where they were having to park ships offshore, and it would at first be seven days before the ship could even come into port to unload. Uh, and then that extended it, seriously. I mean, close to three and four months before a ship could could approach Long Beach and then offload its cargo and then have it run through uh, the sorting process to actually hit a truck. And then, as we know, in North America, we had a trucking shortage because a, a lot of people due to COVID, uh, truckers decided to find other careers and move on. And so we couldn't. We couldn't find drivers in North America to then clear the containers that were already cleared through the port mm. of Long Beach and move them through the United States and mm. uh, and Canada. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a it was a cumulative effect of a lot of of smaller issues, but all all colliding to trip up what had been a very finely tuned uh, uh, finely tuned process. I mean, yeah, I, I, I actually public. Yeah, I, I, oh, I said, ahead. Tim, I just look, I looked it up. It was 106 days. No. That sh- yeah, that ship was stuck for 106 days. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so, it, you know, you're st- it, this whole thing reminds me of of the the freeway. You're going down the freeway. It's jam packed. You nothing's moving. You can't figure it out. And you you can sit sometimes for hours as whatever the bottleneck is. And you finally get up there, and there's nothing there. And you're going, what? Well, what is this all about? You know, and it's it's an unbelievable domino effect. Oh my goodness. It, it, all right. it really is. And it could have started with a, you know a duck trying to cross the road. Um, it seems like so innocuous, but the the ripple effect that just just pushes back the whole journey is uh, is very real. So, yeah, it's it, it's been interesting times. Well, and and so how that really began affecting us then was mm-hmm. the large publishers, smaller publishers alike, uh, who would been very well used to doing business overseas and knew that a shipment was going to be three to four months now didn't know if that was going to be seven or eight months. And clearly they needed, you know, there's signing events, there's publicity events, there's marketing. There's a, there are a lot of things that are tied to having a book delivered on the, uh, on the back end so you can actually move forward with selling books. So uh, publishers, small publishers, self-publishers, everyone were scrambling to try and find printers that were in North America that were, uh, that were much closer to a normal schedule so that they could meet timing that they'd promised or had had money for events uh, and keep the process moving and actually get books in hand to sell so yeah 
Okay, so with you that, know, yeah, let's when yeah. we take we're going to take a quick break here, and with that, we're going to come back and start talking about that process, and okay. um, and then I think since we have you know here now we know we have what the cog started a lot of this, we're going to get much more. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author Use, the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me today is Tim Hewitt. He is the rep, sales rep for Friesen's Corporation, actually a Canadian uh, print book manufacturer, and it, it, and Friesen's, which has printed several of my books personally, but also for my clients, has always been the go-to printer when I wanted in North America the high quality color capability. You know, it, they, we've done lots of just black text, too. But, when boy, when I needed the high color and, you know, Friesen's could flip it around in a reasonable time versus going to China and Korea, which I've certainly done, where you're talking three and four months. Okay, that's changed dramatically with what Tim has just said uh, before we went to the break because um, is, is, is China producing much right now, Tim? I have to ask that. What's going on with the overseas yeah. markets? I, I believe the overseas market is stabilizing slowly. Uh, they are getting back to the production side. It, I don't know that the production side has really ever been severely affected. 
it really became more of an issue with with getting containers than getting them on ships and, and clearing ports. Uh, but the production side itself was less of a problem. Uh, so my understanding is that that is starting to free up there, but the pricing as far as getting on a container ship has not gone down. So uh, larger publishers, uh, my understanding is they are finding that higher price projects or longer runs make the most sense where they can uh, take a larger portion of a container and, uh, and really start to amortize those fees uh, on a more reasonable level. So that $12,000 container you're telling me about, to load it? Yeah, and, and my, my understanding is that if that has come down, it has not come down much. I, I think like a lot of things that we're seeing, you know, milk and gas, when people start to realize that they can charge you more, uh, well, then they get used to it and it becomes the new normal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I find it fascinating when someone says, oh, gas is going to go up five cents. In a nanosecond, every every station has that up five cents. But if it starts coming down per barrel, which I believe it will come down per barrel, um, it's going to be a long time before people see that effect. You know, but but that's a whole nother discussion, everybody. Yeah. What, yeah. what, what we're talking about, you know, since I used to work in the financial markets and I knew commodities, this is another discussion. All right. So let's 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 start with the good this is what I want to do. So you, you yeah. talk about the the book demand across many categories. Um, what what as as you see the books that cross your fingertips that you forward into them? Um, what are you seeing? Well, I, I'm seeing a resurgence. Uh, you know, for me personally, I I, uh, I work on a lot of travel books. That's kind of been something that's built up for me mm. over the years as a really good anchor business. And obviously, the, during COVID, that was seriously diminished. I mean, nobody could travel. Uh, but as as people got the sense that COVID was coming closer to a close and travel was going to open up more, we started to see the resurgence of, uh, uh, of demand, which is fantastic news. But then a lot of the authors took the time off to really reconsider the books that they'd had and been maybe tweaking here and there and do more considerable rewrites. But I will say that as we're getting into the second half of the year, demand for travel books is really starting to come back. And that, for mm. me, not, not only from a business standpoint, but as someone that loves to travel is exciting. Uh, but but I, I still see a very strong demand for all types of books. You just some, some beautiful garden books, art books, travel guides. I, I, you know, it, it really covers the gamut. There, there is just, from my perspective, a solid love of books, which is this is really the great story that comes out of COVID. It really seems to me like the world has discovered the true value of books, and it's uh, it's much more beyond the cost. There's an intangible value to books that we're all in this business for and love. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking book books, real books in hand? Well, but all books. Or all books I, you know, or I think, all types. Yeah, I, I think that it, I think it's safe to say that the ebooks have settled into the market they're going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen audio books are really, really uh, doing very well lately. 
mm-hmm. but but particularly because this is the business I'm in, print book demand is uh, con- continues to go up. I mean, we've had some restabilization over over last year, but there was incredibly heavy demand last year. Uh, but the picture, it, from my perspective, is still very rosy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, since I'm a print a print book girl, um, and and I, you know, I, I there is not a week goes by that I don't buy a couple of print books. For, for some, some is research, some's for reading pleasure, some's for whatever, and it doesn't mean that I don't do my books in audiobook and ebook, but my preference is the print book. So I'm always after that, um, and especially beautiful books, really well designed layout books. I just really enjoy the eye candy portion too, and I suspect you do as well, since you're absolutely. I mean. Well, I mean, it's a it's a tactile experience, and, and and I think probably most people listening, we all have something of a problem when it comes to books. I mean, it is it's really hard to pass up a book, even if it's not on a subject you thought you might be interested in. But mm-hmm. if it catches your eye and it feels nice in your hand, it is uh, it is a challenge to just walk by it and 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 leave it on the shelf for somebody else. I mean, it's hard to not take them home. So it's it, as much as I love and admire other formats, and I think it really gives different opportunities for different people to to enjoy different media, uh, there's nothing really replaces the tactile experience of holding a book in your hand, or you know the the excitement of reading a tome and knowing that you're 900 pages into a thousand page book, and it, it, it's little things. It's feeling the weight shift from one side of your hand to the other as you change the page and feeling the paper in your fingertips. I, 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 I personally, I don't think it can be replaced, but obviously I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm somewhat biased. So, mm-hmm. you know, Tim, when I gave my um, eight year old grandson, uh, the complete Harry Potter set one Christmas and he opened them all up and he spread them literally fanned them like a deck of cards out in front of him and watching him touch each cover stroke, literally each cover go on to the next one. I mean, he he was in his own world with that tactile yeah. feel and and moving into it. Frank has always been an unbelievable reader on that. He has like a library. He's now 18. He has a entire wall in his bedroom that is like a library. I mean, he's he's just loved that. So I think what we're saying is there's there's something for all of us here um, in doing that, but that that don't bypass the print because it's more expensive per unit to produce maybe. And you could do an ebook easy peasy. The things is you need to do them all. You need to consider having all of these babies. All right. So let's, let's continue. So it's rosy demands up there. It's not going to disappear. As I argued with my dear friend years, a decade ago, Dan Pointer, um, well before he passed away, that he was sure that ebooks were going to e- e- eclipse everything and just wipe out the entire print industry, and he was absolutely wrong. You know, it survived. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was not alone in that feeling. Uh, uh, you know, no. he, but I, I was. I, I'm very glad he was wrong. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So that we've got um, world. Well, to say worldwide trade is important, but you talk about that that. 
the wreckage that kind of started the the trickle domino impact on that. What what other wreckage is out here that could happen to us domestically? Um, and and where do we start planning, Tim? Where, where does an author start planning their printing? Uh, honestly, at this point, I would say if you have an inkling that you're going to want a book. Within the next year, it is not too soon to start talking to a printer. Uh, I, I honestly believe okay. that. I mean, on our black and white website right now, I'm already booking into March of next year. Uh, I have some books scheduled for as far out as February 2024. Um, the 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 demand has not gone away. The pre-scheduling becomes really, really the most important part of anything that you can do now. And this is not to say that if you're looking for a book, let's say we'll use March as an example. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we're we're many months away from there, and it doesn't mean that that you need to tell me exactly what your final page count is, exactly your final paper choices today. What you do need to do as soon as you can is. Look at this March time frame. Take a look at some some what you would understand to be some relatively close pricing to what you're seeing right now, and we can maybe touch on that in a little while, in mm-hmm. more detail. Um, mm-hmm. But get a sense of what you're looking at, and, and and if the printer choose a printer earlier rather than later, printers at this point can't. We just physically can't accommodate last minute rushes because we don't have the capacity and. You know, we're not, not to be rude, but we're not really willing to move out those that have already pre-planned. Uh, we have to honor our agreements that we've already made to the absolute best of our ability. And so bumping people is not really an, an option or a strategy that, that we ever look at. So, mm-hmm. so if which, you know that you have a... I was going to say, oh, go so you, you're, we're talking about kind of queuing up and getting in line. Getting in line. Exactly. You're Uh, setting a placeholder. I would would say in a lot of ways, this is akin to booking kind of your dream trip. You want to go to, you want to go to Bali. Well, you know, you're not going to plan a trip to Bali uh, beginning July 2nd. (laughs) Exactly. Next week. We're not doing it next week. (laughs) Right. Right. So you, you know, you want to go and visit Bali and you know that probably March is the best time of year. It's not the rainy season. It, the weather is not going to be too hot. It's going to be the perfect time to go and visit. So let's start planning our trip in March. Well, we know we know that the best chances of finding the best accommodation and the best flights is going to be sooner rather than later. So we can we can book our flights and we can tentatively book a hotel for March. But that doesn't mean that we need to now have everything that we want to do mapped out today. We don't have to know what's going in our suitcase, which suitcase we're going to take. We don't have to start weighing our suitcases until much further down the line. And that's kind of akin to what we're working with our clients with now. Mm -hmm. So you know you want to make this journey in March. Let's get the booking part done so we can start the quoting process. You can choose your printer and literally just email me and call me and say, you know what, this is going to be a go. Let's work on the target timelines, and we're going to backwards engineering the timing. Okay. All right. Hold the thought, Tim. We'll be right back.
is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. I just completed my annual book publishing unplugged. And one of the things I told all the participants is that as an author, you are, it's a business. You need to understand and get that. You are juggling multiple things in the air and you've got these balls. And if, you know, most jugglers, when you look at them, you know, they're using the same size of whether it's swords they're juggling, whether it's, you know, bowling pin, fill in the blank what they're juggling. But for we authors, we have different size balls in the air. And a lot of us think that the biggest ball is always writing the book. And it's not necessarily because you could be doing that over a several month period. But what Tim is saying, Tim, Tim uh, uh, Hewitt with Friesens is saying is that you've got to queue up and and hold up your hand and get in line saying, you know, in 10 months, I will be ready. I will have finished book. It will be designed. I am ready to go into print. Um, and that's that that's a big ball you have to recognize to claim your space now because of the way the current markets are. It's a called supply and demand. And you've got to you've got to shout out your demand so the supplier can acknowledge you and slip you into place. So, Tim, with that said, what exactly yeah. process? What's the exact process we do? Okay, so generally, I will start speaking to somebody, and they'll have a, a vague idea about what their page count is going to be, the book size, the format. Uh, so we'll start off with an estimate, and I think obviously this is this is an important part of choosing a vendor uh, beyond trust and, and feeling like you can actually collaborate on this project uh, together in a comfortable way. So we'll start off with a quote, and, and what I'm asking customers to do right now, or even potential customers, is if you if you have an inkling now of when you will need books and the direction you're going as far as selecting a printer, and obviously for this for, for this example, we'll assume that you're going to start printing your book with me. Um, just let me know. 
let me know as soon as you have an inkling that I'm the direction you're going and the date that you want me to lock in now or the first available date. And, and what we do is we, kind of, we work on an honor system, which is, you know, I, I will take your word that it, once you've told me your project is going to come my direction, I will basically go into our system, put a tentative order in, and that will hold your printing space. So we'll use March 1st of 2023 as an example. If I've now locked in that date of March 1st, that is that time is locked in. We're going to hold that time and we're going to honor that time. You don't need to do anything. There's no signing of contracts. There's no deposits needed. Again, we're, we're going to work on the honor system that this is something that we're, we're going to work towards together. So now that we have that date locked in, we can then kind of work backwards from uh, in a time frame. And as the paper market is still very constrained right now, we're as far as four months ahead of when your, uh, when your ship date might be is when we need to order paper to guarantee that we can have stock in hand uh, for when your project comes to fruition. So in this example, if today I've booked in your job for March 1st, I would be in touch with you kind of late October, early November, to then try and get closer to what's a solidified page count book size. And that's when we're looking for a signed quote. And still, no money is needed at this point. But you, at that point, you're entering into a contract so that we can order paper, so that the paper will be on hand for when it is time for us to print your book. As we continue down the process of that, the next step then there's another lag in time of probably a little bit more than two months after that. So in January, we'll begin the conversation a little bit more closely about when we're going to be looking for final files, the dates we'll need approval by, when then we will need payment uh, to, to cover the printing costs. And that, it, using the March 1st scenario, generally we would backtrack about six weeks from that. So about six weeks before March 1st, sometime around mid-January is when we're going to be looking for your final laid out, finalized manuscript and document that is in a printable format. So from there, then we'll go through the proofing and production and, and, and shipping process. But what what we've seen, though, it, it's somewhat nerve-wracking to look and say, oh, my goodness, we're so many months out. As long as you're mm -hmm. planning the process far enough in advance, you're, you're giving yourself a, a target window, much like this trip to Bali. We know what date we're leaving. Let's work with that as being a very firm date. And now we have we can build our schedule on when does the writing need to be completed? When does the editorial need to be completed? Uh, when is final design and layout need to be completed and approved on my end? Uh, all of this kind of now with this January, we'll use January 15th as a target date that we need to have everything accomplished by. So even though the print date and delivery date of that book seems like it's very far out, it, there's still generally a lot of work that has to be done. And this process will will eat through this time and this window probably much quicker than most people expect. And all of a sudden, you're at the time when you need to get me files. And hopefully, if nothing else, the longer date but having a set deadline, it, it gives you targets that you know you must meet as you 
and I know Judith talks about this, and, and we all agree that as you publish a book, each book is its own business. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not generally blessed with having having enough spare cash that we can throw whatever we want, wherever we want, and not really care if it succeeds. This is a business that you're trying to build around around producing and selling this book and marketing it ultimately to recoup all of the expenses that you that will be outlaid and then start making a profit and turn it into something that that has been a useful business in your life so mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. so so with this i'm going back to our march 1st open date so by mid january we're starting to finalize because what i'm here when do it would that be you you're starting the proofing process and is the goal to be printing and shipping during that first week in Jan- uh, March? Is that when you say the March 1st, or is that when we go to press on March 1st? No, I, we, we, t- we tend to use Fridays as, uh, as our kind of timeline dates. Uh, mm-hmm. So w- what we're looking at is one week before the final date that we give you is when we want the books to leave the plant as, as Finished, Got it. produced, printed, bound books. Mm-hmm. Two weeks, bef- two, we need two weeks of production So two weeks before that date. So now we're three weeks before the March 1st date is when we would need to have finalized and approved proofs from you. So Got it. I'm totally with you. So, when, the, yeah, so yeah. when you're saying March is our deadline, March is when the book is all done and ready to start shipping out to you. So th- this we, is, we, yeah. I get it. We would, yeah, we would target March as being the date that books deliver to you. So, uh-huh. yeah, so we go back even one more week, and that's when we're uh, that's okay. when we're starting to look at, uh, at, at books leaving us to arrive to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, Tim, with you going through this process, besides understanding the plug from the Suez Canal issue, uh, <laughs> totally now um, <laughs> that when New York publishers are telling authors that the traditional publishers of which only produce of the several million books that are published every year, by the way, listeners only produce about 10,000 of those titles um, that they are now quoting that if we sign you, like let, let's say today is uh, July 15th, just, just use using that date, July 15th of 2023, your book would not be available until um, 2025. You know, it's just, you know, I'm a year ahead right now from when this show first broadcast. But they're putting two-year now publishing um, uh, spans on when the books go out and going through the process and all the plugs, assuming, you know, maybe the supply thing will be so loosened up in a year that, what we're talking about is irrelevant, but I'm not so sure. But they are now quoting two years out. It used to be traditionally 18 months from the time you signed a contract with a publishing house. Now they're talking two years, everybody. So times have changed. It, 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 it has been an evolving market, um, perhaps not always to the benefit of the author and, and the publisher, but the market is what the market is. And so, you know, the, uh, looking and hoping for the old days really isn't going to get us very far. Is it? So we just have to work with the, 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 the hands that we've been dealt and find the best way through it that, uh, 
has the minimal impact on the project that you're putting together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, Tim, I had heard, I mean, maybe it was over a year ago, that the Chinese had developed a, 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 a tree that literally could grow, and it was designed for the paper industry, uh, that could grow 100 feet within five years. And and yet, yet, it's my understanding that the paper that's available is much less. Is that, am I wrong here? Is that, is there any more you can add to that? I, honestly, I've not heard of that. Uh, Ooh, so I could, okay. only, I, I could only throw some conjecture out there. And that is, okay. Okay. I, I would have to imagine that any tree that could, could grow that fast could not be very dense. And if it's not very dense, then the wood itself is going to produce far less pulp. Uh, uh-huh. That is that is my conjecture, purely based on my incredibly limited biological knowledge of the growth of trees. So, <laughs> so so that would mean thinner paper, less pulp, thinner paper. Is that correct? No, I, I would think that what it would mean ultimately is that you would need more tree to gain the same amount of pulp. Uh, so my guess would be ultimately it's, it's, it maybe sounds better than it is in reality, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, I just can't imagine that, it, that a tree growing that fast would have enough density to provide more pulp than a, than a slightly slower growing tree. So, and if there, if if that's the case, if you're dealing with, because a lot of people go overseas, especially for the um, the uh, uh, books that bleed color, the cookbooks, the children's books, the um, yeah. you know high density books, and if you have, if they're less dense, less pulp, that color is not going to be so rich. Would I be right there? Am I thinking correctly? You, you, you can still gain, if you're printing on a coated sheet, you can still gain on a thinner sheet fantastic color reproduction. You can, okay. What you, what, what you lose is the density and the opacity. And in cookbooks, you, you know, you don't really, I mean, in most color books, in art books and, and cookbooks alike. Okay, Tim, hold that you thought. You don't want a hold, paper. Okay. Okay, hold that thought. We got one, our final break. We'll be right back, everybody. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. 
Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The Book Shepherd and concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, with me is Tim Hewitt. He is the sales rep for Friesen's Corporation, kind of in the Rocky Mountain area. So he's my contact, um, and I am delighted with the phenomenal, I'm talking high-end quality, that he has done on several of my personal books, including my recent memoir, When God Says No, and, um, and for several of my clients that we have had great fun with what's been created and produced. So Tim is kind of giving a really a roadmap, a roadmap of how to work with the challenges in the book printing market and how essential it is for you to really plan ahead. So if you need to have a book, you know, that you're writing, let's say you're writing right now today and today is in the summertime and you are really planning and doing a big launch out in the following spring of the next year, raise your hand and get in line and lock your space and then continue writing. But at least you've done it. And his his analogy of planning it like you would plan a future cruise or a you know your trip of a lifetime or fill in the blank. Um, it's on the calendar. You know it's going to happen, and then you lock in your date and now work backward to find out what what. Uh, benchmarks you have to meet to meet that demand. All right, Tim, you want to add to that? And then we'll play here a little bit for the last few minutes. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a great summary. Uh, it, the market is, unfortunately, what the market is right now. Demand is uh, is outstripping a finite amount of capacity in, in North America. Uh, the, the delivery concerns from Asia are still real. Uh, all of these things seem like there are maybe signs that they're going to change. I'm not 
honestly expecting that I would see a vast change, uh, e- even a push towards what things used to be until at least another year. So uh, if your project is coming up in the next 12, 18 months, uh, you, you're still not too early to start planning and thinking about uh, a final production. All right. So there you go. Um, and and that's that's the game plan. So what are you going to do? What happens? What what should your strategy be? Well, Tim and I were just brainstorming a little bit. And I'll, I'll tell you what I'm doing with several of my clients now is that we do um, knowing that we can get print on demand. Um, and and let's talk about the quality of the printing, Tim. I'd like to do that on because there is a significant difference, in my opinion, between print on demand, which has improved significantly over the years, um, and a a regular book manufacturer like a Friesen's. Um, that that and the and the necessity and and the smart strategy for all of you to have someone like Tim that you can interact and talk to because they know about print paper. They know about the quality of the paper that might be a better fit for your book versus the typical, uh, you know, is it natural or is it white? You know, there, there are so many other options to ask. Is that not right, Tim? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of factors that come into getting a book and, and I'm going to use one as a, as a very, narrow example of a conversation that I've had on quite a few occasions. And and it could be as simple as we're planning this book. This book needs to be a soft cover and it needs to be on a lighter paper, which doesn't necessarily mean thinner uh, because the book with packaging must come in under one pound because that is where I get my best shipping rates. And that's, just a narrow example, but it's one of the examples of things that when you when you work with a, pr- a, a printer like us, we're going to work through these scenarios of how ultimately is the book going to be used, but even down to the small details of how will the book be shipped, and, and the one pound mark can, can make a huge difference in what your shipping costs are. So if you're fulfilling mm-hmm. a book and you can ship a book now that, that weighs 0.9 pounds rather than 1.01 and bumps you up to a two-pound category, it, it could ultimately be a, a very minor business decision that has a great effect on your bottom line. And so we're, we're, we want to we build an industry and, and a business that is completely sustainable on all accounts. And ultimately, this is an old tagline that Friesen has used uh, uh, dating back maybe as far as 1908, that we're, not, we're only going to be successful if you're successful. And for me personally, the the greatest success I ever see is when somebody comes back for a reprint. Uh, mm-hmm. That is, it, it brings up a little piece of joy for me because I know that we did everything right. We we chose the right paper. Your your writing and your book was well received. Uh, everything was done correctly because you need more, uh, and that is ultimately the goal that we're we're all leaning towards. Mm-hmm. When when you talk about reprints, um, what's the turnaround? Is it the same cued way out? Let's say I have a book, I need a reprint, and you're saying like you had a window in March. Okay, that's that could be you know nine months away. Is that the same? Is it the same time frame for a reprint, or is it faster? Unfortunately, turnaround? it is. It is. Ugh. <laughs> 
Oh, that's an it, UGG. It, it, All right. So. <laughs> it, it, it is a definite UGG, and it's, it's where print-on-demand can, can be your best friend as a stopgap. Uh, okay, it so. is... It is the one area that we have not been able to really find a solution that is workable for for everybody. Uh, the only guidance that we're offering people is, it, let's say you have a choice between a thousand and two thousand books, and you're, you know, Judith knows from experience, there's generally a vast difference between the pricing of a thousand versus two thousand books. Oh yes, uh, it's it, it, huge. It, it, it's much less, much much less per copy. We're telling people if you're not sure which direction you need to go in, then it's recommended that that you lean heavy. If you really feel that your demand and your marketing is strong enough to justify it, then take advantage of it now. the 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 larger The larger challenge that that there is with that timing is often handled with you. We can't go on just on just in time inventory plans like we used to you're going to have to look at instead of a three-month supply, a six-month supply of what you have for books and plan accordingly. And, and we understand that generally that's not a perfect science. This is something of where the art of a publisher and, and Judith being able to see sell cycles and, and being able to plan ahead is really, is really important. Uh, it, it is definitely a challenging area. But looking at your inventory and how the book is moving and being honest with, with at least a six-month plan of what your inventory is, that's when you need to start looking at pulling the, uh, pulling the trigger now. Exactly. And, I, you know, as someone who sold most of my books um, from the platform in speaking, I always, I always had at least an inventory of what I knew I needed in a year. I knew, and, and, and that always involves several thousand books. So that, because that, I can hear a, a lot of you people thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do with a thousand books? What am I going to do with 3,000 books? I mean, you know, I would rarely were my orders less than 3,000 books um, when, for, for my speaking related business at a crack. And of course, we could turn them around a lot faster than what's happening today when I was doing that. But I, there was always a supply. I could easily have $50,000 in books in my garage, Tim, $50,000 worth that we would flip in six months. It, 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 it is it, having a one year inventory is a, a, a very good place to be right now. Uh, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. And so that that's now we're talking about planning again, everybody. So Tim mentioned stopgap. We have like three minutes here to close up stopgap. So what what could you do as you're going? You're ready to go. All right. So my gosh, I can't. You know, my book is really going to be ready in a few months. I could go to print in a few months, but I really can't go to a traditional print in a few months because you know I have to wait in line here. So this is when you do want to look at the print on demand options. Um, on that, that you can do this stop gap to fill it in, knowing that you have the other quality coming in. Do you want to kiss on that a little bit, Tim? Well, I think it's I, 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 honestly it's a strategy that's being used a lot, and it's and it's it's being used for two reasons that I see primarily. One is obviously the timing. You need to mm-hmm. you need to have some books on hand, whether it's events that you have coming up. Or, uh, or it's commitments. What, whatever the reason is that you need books in hand before a traditional print run can deliver, uh, it, it, it's, 
it becomes important to have them. And this is where print-on-demand can be very, very useful. And again, you want to look at what you honestly feel that you feel is going to be your demand in the coming weeks and months before your actual your your final print run is going to arrive. Um, but it's uh, it, 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 the second reason that I see a lot of publishers do this is they they don't want to commit to the thousand, two thousand, three thousand run until they have a chance to actually hold the book in their hands because it's it's very it's more common than not that you are going to find some things that you want to change from the initial print run for the second print run or for the uh, reprint. So print-on-demand serves a wonderful purpose, for, for, if not for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what, everyone? I did exactly that on my memoir. Actually, I had another print run, but I wanted the higher quality for, like, the third print run, and Friesen's did it on that. So I could go through and make changes, and I actually did a revision and added a whole new chapter on it. So that the that what I consider my, that final, what the look will be revisions, you know, I mean, our reprints will be based on this. But I went through three print runs before I got there because the tweaking could happen. Meanwhile, we're selling them. So that's a thought. Tim, we have like 30 seconds. A final thought. Uh Demand is very high. You're pre-planning and collaborating with printers, whether it's myself or one of uh, one of the other fantastic North American printers. Uh, it, it, it is really your most important action that you can take that's sooner rather than later. Get yourself a deadline, no matter how far that is down the road, and, and you will have some goals to work towards. Uh, okay. But the news is good. Book demand is Great. high. There And thank you, thank you, Tim Hewitt, Friesen's, And that's printing today. We'll see you next week. you for being a part of your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith bride